Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Cape Town, South Africa with my new friend David Frost of wellpast40.com. Although David lives in Southern California, he had the opportunity to spend time as a faculty advisor for a study abroad program in South Africa. In this episode, Coach David and I talk about the climbing table mountain, visiting Robben Island where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned, and seeing penguins on the beach. You'll hear these three interesting stories and so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Cape Town. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then, Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus, when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Coach Dave, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Lee. Thanks so much for uh, taking time and crazy times to think about better days. Absolutely. So today we're talking about Cape Town, South Africa. It's a city that I've heard a lot about, and it's something that I've always thought about going there, but you've actually were there, and I want to hear all your different tips and tricks for it. So what, what actually brought you to Cape Town? Well, I was honored. I missed the World Cup, uh, the 2010 World Cup for FISA World Soccer. And I hope folks, if they are, they're intrigued by South Africa, if you want to see the energy and the diversity of a country, that's a great way to do it, as well as see some sports, which is a big part of the fabric of South Africa. I'm an adjunct faculty member with the University of Redlands, and I was lucky enough to be a tag-along for a study abroad trip for two weeks to South Africa. It was education, and boy, was it education. If I was a little bit younger, I would have called it (laughs) (laughs) life-changing. But in my encore years, I would say life-enhancing and eye-opening. So it was education that took me to South Africa, not sport. Wow, that's amazing, being there for two weeks like that. Such a cool experience. So if you had to describe the, the people or the city in just a couple words, how would you do that? Fascinating, friendly, diverse, and uber wonderful. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So if people were planning their trip to visit Cape Town, what time of year should they visit? Obviously, being in the Southern Hemisphere, their seasons are flipped versus ours. And so a lot of people kind of forget about that. What time of year should people plan their visit to, to Cape Town? You know, not just Cape Town, but if you do have the time, you don't want to fly in and fly out for a long weekend. It just doesn't do a service to the many things you would miss. But if you were hoping for two to three weeks, the conventional wisdom is to go when the flora and the fauna, one of the world's ecosystems, the Cape ecosystem, and the marine big five and the big five uh, for the safari uh, animals are birthing and most out and about. So in answer to your question, you're right, it's flipped. You're looking for the Southern Cross, <laughs> not Polaris when you're down that way. And it's a beautiful heavens above this beautiful country. I was lucky enough to go in September, October. That's their spring. And that was the birthing season for the marine mammals and the land mammals. So many people say spring or fall, but it is a Mediterranean climate. Just uh, if you think flipped, you and I talked about Southern California. That's the latitude. And of course, it's 
nine time zones east of Southern California, but the latitude makes it a very mild climate. So year round is fine. It's temperate. Conventional wisdom is their spring or summer, which just happens to be our summer or spring. <laughs> that sounds really good. Obviously, I know I've looked before as far as trying to actually get down to South Africa and you're not going to go diagonally across the ocean. It takes a little bit of a journey from the U.S. to get down to Cape Town. Uh, how did you go and, and how would you recommend people to actually get down there? Well, uh, from the West Coast of our great country, uh, there's two thoughts. One is to cut it in half and that is to fly generally to London or someplace in, in Northern Europe, maybe Amsterdam or Paris. But because it tends to be thought of as a former British colony, a lot of people use London. Maybe maybe if you're lucky, you can get a, a day or two in that great town before you head down. But from Southern California, it's about 10, 11 hours to London, and then about 10 or 11 hours down to Cape Town, the international airport. Another train of thought I, in spite of being a Navy retiree, I was an East Coast sailor and never got to the Middle East. I took a longer hop from LA International to Doha, Qatar, and was lucky enough to get out to the bazaar and walk around in 100 degree heat and uh, see an amazing city, an amazing country in the Gulf, and then head down eight hours. So it was 16 hours and eight hours. But it's, it's a full day to get there, either half and half going through London from the West Coast, a little bit shorter, of course, from the East Coast. Or if you want to be a little more exotic, take a long haul on a great uh, airline like Guitar Air and then hop down. So full day of travel, but well worth it. Absolutely. And so for you, uh, coming from uh, from California, you actually went west to the Middle East instead of going east to London, correct? Sorry, no, I went, uh, we flew east. So uh, 16 hours to Guitar and then eight hours pretty much due south along the east coast of Africa, looking at the extraordinary topography of where man first learned to become man and walk upright. So the mother continent, it was uh, pretty extraordinary all the way. You go over the pole to get to either the Middle East or London, and then you just go down the east side of Africa. And boy, it's beautiful. That sounds amazing. So now once you got to Cape Town and we're going out to explore everything that you were there for those two weeks, when you got to the airport to get to your hotel and to, and to get to some of the other attractions, did you rent a car? Did you take public transportation? Like, how did you get around? I did not rent a car. I would have been comfortable. I've driven enough in, in the British style of driving that uh, the turnabouts, the roundabouts, and driving on the other side of the road. I would say the incorrect side of the road is not a problem. <laughs> I wanted to experience the taxi drivers, the working class. Everyone in the in the business that you meet does speak uh, English better than I do <laughs> with my New Jersey accent. So I used uh, paid livery taxis, city buses, and so on. But to get from Cape Town International into Cape Town proper, no, no matter where you stay, I recommend public. It's motorways, but if you're not driving, you get to experience some of the townships, which are part of the extraordinary, both the opportunities and the challenges of this wonderful country. So I recommend driving and sightseeing. I claim to be a good driver, <laughs> but if I'm always looking at the natural beauty, I'd be a little <laughs> distracted from uh, road safety. So I say public transportation. It's wonderful. cheap, And uh, again, you experience wonderful people that tell you their view of the world. No, absolutely. I, I think one, just as a father of our family, I'm generally the one that has to drive. So any opportunity I get to not drive, I'm happy to do that. So that way I can enjoy the scenery like you mentioned. Uh, South Africa is probably known as the best telecommunications network on the African continent. So that <laughs> four-letter word Uber works very well. The mobile phone system is good enough that you can get 
rides very quickly if you chose to use Uber instead of normal taxi or delivery service. Oh, that's really good to know. Okay. In the past, I've driven on the quote unquote wrong side of the road on the left side. When you're driving straight, totally fine. When you get to those roundabouts, like you mentioned, or an intersection, I'm like doing all the mental gymnastics trying to remember, okay, which lane do I turn? Like when there's, when there's cars there, it's fine because obviously don't drive into the car that's there. But when there's no cars there, you're like, okay, I'm in the left lane. Do I turn into the right lane, the left lane? And it's difficult to remember. You're exactly right, Lee. And if I could just add, you just come from a full day of travel, night is day, and you're probably not quite as alert as if you're driving to the off. So uh, even if you have one of their wonderful tall black coffees before you try to tackle that driving, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're good highway systems, very good highway systems. You get into town, it's crowded. Parking is an issue. In fact, uh, (laughs) if you did rent a car, you look for a paid person to help you find the final yards to a preferred parking spot and so on. So it's just a a little bit of complexity, unless you're a daredevil. (laughs) I would enjoy the wonderful public transportation. Okay. So we got to figure it out how to get from the airport into the town and to get around. Are there certain parts of town that we should look at when we're looking for our hotel? Or are there certain areas that maybe we should avoid? Well, yes and yes. Cape Town is considered a very safe town. There are certain areas that are very lively after dark (laughs) and probably a middle-aged person or a single lady wouldn't want to go there on her own or his own. Yet in small groups, I found a great comfort in walking around. There are homeless. It's a very mild climate. Unemployment is an issue throughout this great country of South Africa as it is in other countries like we know. I never felt unsafe in Cape Town. There's some other cities like Joburg, Johannesburg, where it's not recommended that you walk because of petty thievery and losing your cell phone and that sort of thing. But Cape Town was extraordinarily safe, wonderful police department. Again, with a little bit of prudence and planning, uh, all hours of the day and in small groups, it's family friendly for sure. No areas that have big, uh, don't trespass, don't go here kinds of things, particularly if you're looking for the local cuisine in some of the great (laughs) brew pubs. You know, they're in developing parts of town, if you will, away from the center of Cape Town. But in answer to your question, most people gravitate to what I would call the activity hub, and that's the Victoria and Alexander waterfront, or I call it the wharf. It's bustling. A lot of museums are there. There's amusements for the kids. It's called the V&A Waterfront. Wonderful hotels of all costs and amenities. Definitely worth being close where you can walk every place or hop a quick cab ride to some of the scenic suburbs, such as Bocap, which is known as the Muslim part of town with the pastel-colored streets and wonderful home cooking classes you can take and so on. So most people, I think, gravitate to the V&A waterfront. I spent most of my time there, although I did go out to a little bit north. I stayed a little bit better view. At, there's no bad view of Table Mountain, which we'll probably get to, but a little bit closer to Table Mountain and to the whale watching that just happened to be a double tree property. And that was wonderful. The folks were outstanding, just again, aloha service. So there's no bad deals. There's bed and breakfast. There's legacy hotels like the uh, Mount Nelson and Queen Victoria. It's center Cape Town. And that's only about a 20 minute cab ride from this very active, vibrant VA waterfront that I mentioned. Though it's a town of maybe 600,000 people now, it's spread out a little bit, but the transportation lets you get either on foot or public transportation anyway, pretty quickly. That sounds good. So you were talking earlier, you mentioned that one, most people that you, that you encounter are going to speak English. 
What about uh, with money? Do you need to exchange currency? Can you use U.S. dollars or can you use your credit card in some of the places you go? It's a very advanced society. In some cases, you would think it's uh, <laughs> it's gone uh, currency less faster than America, perhaps. Credit cards uh, without burdensome fees are very prevalent. It's good to have those. If you have to visit an ATM that you don't have big exchange fees on your end, with your credit card company. But yes, credit cards are known for things like Uber or delivery service and eating. The currency is extraordinarily beneficial to American travelers. It's unfortunate for the South African economy, but it's an extraordinarily good time to travel when we can. You'll get your money's worth at a bargain. South African Rand, which is about 16 to the dollar, it's about six cents right now. That's a big drop from years gone by. So it's a, it's a wonderful time to think about getting the best bang for the buck, even after traveling 24 hours to get to that fascinating country. So yes, credit card, cash is, you carry a lot of bills, like 100,000 Rand is, you know, if I did the math, I could tell you what that is, but that's like a $20 bill. <laughs> so uh, That's why credit card, you know, unless you have a thick wallet, credit card is easily used. For sure. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the attractions and some of the things you're going to do while you're there in Cape Town. You mentioned a little bit earlier about the animal viewing. There's whale watching, there's uh, safaris. And then I think there's also an opportunity to see penguins on the beach. There is. And that's one of the idyllic beaches on the Indian Ocean side, Boulder Beach. I sent you a picture of my toe in the water in the Indian Ocean, very warm. And there was a huge starfish in the water next to my foot. The little Antarctic penguins are just away. So we're being nice to them. They're being nice to us. But that's the Boulders Beach over towards Simonton. Wonderful place to visit. Kid-friendly beaches. A lot to do. And knickknack shops, all those sorts of things. But yeah, isn't it fun to travel halfway around the world to see penguins? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, that's just one of the many things. It is a little, if I may, to be clear, it is a little bit of a drive to get to the Atlantic. You have to go north to get to where the prime Big Five Marine watching is, where there are also penguins, by the way. But if you want to hope to see a great white in White Shark Alley, plenty of whales, seals, dolphins, that's a little bit of a drive, but a beautiful drive across a mountain ridge and seeing beautiful bodies of water. The safaris, you think of those more toward the east part of the country. You know, there's a zoo and plenty of natural, you know, not the big game, but the beautiful birds on the hiking trails and so on amongst these absolutely delicious looking flowers. So if you're into learning about one of the world's great ecosystems, the Cape uh, Floral Ecosystem, it's a great place to go. And you'll see plenty of small animals that will intrigue you for sure. Okay. I mean, that sounds amazing. Let's talk about some of the other things that we should do there. There's, uh, you mentioned Table Mountain a few minutes ago. What's that about? Well, Table Mountain in English units, the summit is about 3,500 feet. It is the prominent geographical figure there, although people will also talk about Signal Hill and Lion's Head. Maybe you saw those in the FISA World Cup soccer matches. One of the stadia for that match was right next to Lion's Head. But Table Mountain has a aerial tramway going up to the top to give you stunning views of the harbor and the sweeping Atlantic coast of, of South Africa. And it's a quick ride, um, but it is a marine climate and fog or high winds may cause problems in your day. So plan early and listen to the hotels or where you're staying to pick the best times to travel so you're not stuck in a long waiting line or you don't want to miss the summit of Table Mountain because of fog or wind. So definitely talk to the locals. 
They're there to help you. They want to help you. And don't spend half your day having a missed opportunity. Table Mountain is extraordinary. There are reservoirs up on top. Cape Town has to import its water. It doesn't have rivers coming in. Table Mountain also feeds the wonderful wineries on the backside of Table Mountain. Wonderful hiking trails, wonderful ecosystems for different, as I say, the flora and fauna. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the marsupials that just kind of hang around. It starts with a D, and I'm sorry, (laughs) I don't remember the name of these kind of like marmots that are there. It's extraordinary. Everybody talks about it. Everybody has a picture, selfies or otherwise, of them (laughs) looking down from Table Mountain to either the backside toward the wine country or the front side toward the harbor and the ocean. Stunning. Can't miss it, but plan ahead. And it might be worth paying a little extra, have somebody take you there at the best time so you don't get stuck in the the general admission line, as it were. For sure. And I think that's why you mentioned earlier that when you go to visit Cape Town, you should really plan to be there for two to three weeks to make sure that weather's not going to affect you, that you can take those longer trips to go see like the penguins on the beach and those types of things. Because if you're only there for four or five days or a week, most likely you're going to run out of time because some of these things aren't necessarily just right in town. Exactly. And and if folks are like me, Lee, you're going to want to linger at beautiful things, whether it's art museums or historical museums or these wonderful wineries for maybe tasting some noble grapes and seeing how an industry was created. Just as a side note, I tried very hard to find David Frost, who was a professional golfer years ago, who became a vintner. Never found him, but I maybe that's another reason to go back to South Africa. But yes, absolutely, Lee, please plan ahead. Give yourself the time to take the big gulp and savor a fascinating place. For sure. Uh, one of the last things I want to talk about as far as attractions and things to do there is probably one of the things that people really know most about South Africa is uh, Nelson Mandela and Robben Island, where he was held for, for many years. Yes, that is a must. And again, plan ahead. Even if there's a little surcharge to buy your tickets in advance, it is very popular. Millions of people take the short ferry ride out. It's well conveyed. You can have an adult beverage or a coffee on the way out. It's a beautiful view of the city on your way out. It is absolutely, it just shakes you up mentally and makes you think about an entire era when there was a lot of inequity and people like a Nobel Peace Prize winner and the president of the country that spent years there. I believe it was Mandela, although there was another intern in South African prisons named Mahatma Gandhi. And one of those two gents, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which one said, you can tell a lot about a country by its prisons and how they change. And the fact that now Robben Island is a living museum so that people learn the lessons of what of a prior age was inequity and so on is extraordinary. Yes, there are penguins there. There's a World War II gun emplacement for coastal defense. The guides are extraordinarily talented to take you on the bus drives and the walking tours. Not to be missed. Probably at a solid half day or more so that you're not rushed. Yeah. Again, like we talked about, when you're planning your trip to Cape Town, plan for an extended stay. That way you can see all these things. Like we talked about, it's it's a full day to get down there whether it's miles or cash, I mean, it can be an expensive flight. So if you're going to go all the way around, halfway around the world, make sure you spend a little bit extra time there. You don't want to be rushing and going, oh man, I just missed out. I ran out of time for that. So before we go into the final countdown, I do want to make sure that we talk about the food a little bit before we go in there. Let's talk about a little bit about some of like the delicacies that are only available there or some just really great experiences that you had at some restaurants. The culinary delights of South Africa 
are extraordinary. Now, I live in a marine climate with some pretty good seafood, and yet Indian Ocean seafood and South Atlantic seafood taste different. A prawn is a different prawn, <laughs> and certainly South Africa, Cape Town, is known for its seafood. Wonderful, fresh seafood that is not to be missed unless folks have an aversion to eating seafood. On the land side, the term for barbecue in South Africa is braai. It's spelled B-R-A-A-I, braai. And boy, uh, either in the outback on a safari or in town, it's a different thing than Kansas City ribs. <laughs> not to be missed if you can find a good braai. Just ask your hotel or your B&B, where's the best braai or the one they go to? You'll find an extraordinary uh, meal there. Healthy and extraordinary. So that's seafood and braai. And then, of course, folks like me want to sample local and uh, food of the continent. So I guess we'll talk about that in your final five. Yeah, the African, real African food is not to be missed either. For sure. And then, uh, like we talk about with the braai and the barbecue, that it's not cows and, and those types of things that we have here. It's more of uniquer animals that you're going to find on the African continent versus uh, in America, right? There's like springbok, antelope, snake. Absolutely. The sausages are different and they have no hesitation, nor did I have any hesitation about having a little uh, nibble of antelope or uh, some of the big uh, emu, crocodile, those kinds of things. So all well-cooked and all extraordinary and different than our barbecue. You're right. You got to tell me, it doesn't taste like chicken, right? Because everybody talks about trying something different and they're like, oh yeah, it tastes like chicken, right? <laughs> it has its own unique flavors. <laughs> it was a white meat and very interesting. And I guess there's crocodiles and crocodiles, but what I had was just a melt in your mouth, better than chicken. So <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so we'll go into the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Cape Town, where should they go and what should they eat? Well, this is Dave Frost's sample size from one trip. And maybe if I'd had a different livery driver, I wouldn't have gone to this favorite eating spot of mine. But Marco's Africa Place on Rose Place, or Rose Street, it's called both, is truly food of the safari, of the range. Wonderful service and a great place to be, not touristy. The locals go there, right in central Cape Town. And so I would say the one place I would go, there are probably other notable places to get real African food. But for me, it was Marco's Africa place. And he himself, Marco, is a South, uh, not a South African, he's Sudanese, wonderful chef, polite as can be, his staff was marvelous, and the food was unforgettable. What was the favorite meal that you had there? I did small plates of as much of, <laughs> until I had to put myself away <laughs> with some good South African wine. They have small plates so that you can sample the many different types of the four-legged animals or the aquatic creatures like crocodiles. So I didn't have a favorite. It just found it so different from you know what we're used to with chicken, pork, beef. That was my favorite. That sounds delicious. So tell me one of your most memorable stories of while you were there. Golly, that's a tough one. If I can share one, and this is kind of Dave Frost, but I had the most extraordinarily cheerful omelet server at my hotel. I just thought that she was Mother Teresa. She was a saint. Now, she probably has to work a couple jobs. She probably has uh, some tough times. She couldn't have made me more happy to start my day to hike Table Mountain than the omelet server. So my earlier comment, Lee, about maybe you learn a lot about a country by how they've changed jails. You can learn a lot about a country by the wait staff that serves you and makes you feel very special. And there were several, at several different hotels I stayed, but as a group, the people that make you feel special 
every meal, every, hey, can I help you? Do you know, uh, what are you looking for? Can I help you get a shortcut to the museum or whatever? It's the people, but in one particular I'll share, it was that wonderful omelet server whose name escapes me. Well, that's amazing. And I really love that because unfortunately, sometimes when you travel, you, you're dealing with people who just have like a, like that sourpuss look on their face, right? And they're just not happy to be there in their job. And when you find people like that, you got to applaud them and, and make sure that you fill out that comment card or, or talk to their manager or whatever and, and reward them for giving that positive attitude and, and making you feel so special that way. Well, I felt like a king. They just treat you so well. Of course, it's a tourist-based economy in Cape Town principally, although wine and, and some of the mineral wealth of the country ends up there too. But boy, do they share their pride and their aloha for making you feel special. That's, a, that's wonderful. So speaking of happy times, where's the happiest happy hour in Cape Town? Golly, if you talk to six people, you'd probably get nine opinions, but I'd go with Jack Black Taproom. I'm an IPA guy, you know, it's a big deal in Southern California, but the loggers, this couple that founded Jack Black oh, 15 years ago has done a really nice job of kind of creating their own little microbrew industry, convivial, congenial, and when you could get closer than a crocodile length apart from each other, just vibrant. And certainly there are areas, even families could go to a tap room like that and feel very comfortable. So I'd say Jack Black, which is a good lager, a very good lager. And it's just part of the, maybe a little bit of the British and Dutch mystique of nothing wrong with a, a little hoppy drink to get you ready for dinner. So Jack Black tap room. That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I travel a lot with my kids. And so whenever I can find places like that, that are, the children are also welcome. Those are definitely going to be on my list. Uh, and there are many more, by the way, as I say, the microbrew and the, and the neighborhood brew pubs are growing there. Spirits are good as well if folks are interested in sampling some single malt at South African or uh, some of the other distilled spirits, but most known for wine, number one, and then uh, a growing happy hour kind of beer lifestyle, too. That sounds good. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza place. and. It's always a little difficult when I when I talk to an international destination, but is there a best place for pepperoni pizza in, in Cape Town? There's a short list. TripAdvisor lists three that are just uh, knock your socks off, make you happy. But one that is right in the center of things, and don't think this is touristy, it's just centrally located. At the, on the upper level of the, of the arcade at the V&A waterfront is, if I can say it correctly, La Colcaccio, where you can also get very eclectic and very diverse side dishes at almost all of the restaurants around. But that La Colcaccia is a great pepperoni. You can get some of the braai topped or you can get vegetarian toppings as well. That's just one of the top three and one that I would recommend for its convenience and being close to the Ferris wheel. And if you wanted an English pub <laughs> to wash down your wonderful pizza, there's an English pub close by. Yeah, that sounds great. Pizza and beer, you got me right there. <laughs> or red wine. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously you travel a lot with this trip and I'm sure you do as well when you're home normally. What's your best travel tip? Well, golly, a lot of my travel was on gray Navy ships at 15 knots, so not on uh, Boeing 747s. By the way, that was my last uh, Boeing 747 flight, the great queen of the skies coming back home from Cape Town. Mine is, if I can stretch it and say two parts, one is read up a little. I'm a history nut, so one of the reasons my fascination with South Africa was the Boer War, where the Afrikaners 
kind of said, we want to do things our way, to heck with you, King. I forget which king it was, but the British king in the late uh, 19th century. So the Boer War fascinated me. Everyone knows of Winston Churchill, the fact that he was a prisoner of war and has had an epic escape, which probably launched him into his political life. So the history is amazing. And I would say read ahead of time. So that's point number one. And point number two, if you feel safe, engage with the locals as much as possible, whether it's that wonderful omelet server, whether it's delivery driver, whether it's your personal hiking guide to take you up on Table Mountain, in a country like South Africa that prides itself on its friendly, tourist-centered life, uh, engage. Engage as much as possible and journal. Journal your experiences. No, that sounds great. And that's the whole reason for, for starting this podcast is getting that local flavor that's not really what you found on Google or whatever. Getting that local flavor of the cities and finding out those hidden gems. That's what the podcast is all about. So thanks for sharing that. And by the way, you know, <laughs> we could talk forever. There's a, a wonderful statue park just close to the, the legislative capital. It's interesting, a country has three national capitals and 12 national languages, but there is a peace park in Cape Town where there are four South African Nobel Peace Prize winners. Think about that. That little country that gave us Elon Musk also gave the world four Peace Prize winners. Lutuli, Bishop Desmond Tutu, F.W. de Klerk before uh, you know the transition from apartheid to the new government. And then of course, everyone knows Nelson Mandela. It's stirring. That part of history is troublesome, yet hopefully everyone can learn a lot about their own thoughts about diversity and inclusion by visiting a country like South Africa. No, that sounds amazing. I think more people need to visit countries like this that, yeah, they're further away. It takes a little bit more time and possibly money uh, to get there, but it's so worth being able to visit. Unforgettable. And again, if I was a little bit younger, it truly life-changing. In my encore years, life-enhancing for sure. So if folks don't mind uh, long flights on nice airlines, go for it. Absolutely. So Coach Dave, speaking of encore years and those types of things, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? And then if somebody has more questions about South Africa or your business, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? Well, thanks, Lee. So I am now a master fitness trainer and an author. I thought I had a book in me and wanted my epitaph not to say I didn't get that book published. So I'm the proud author of a book called Kaboomer, Thriving and Striving into Your 90s that talks about taking big experiences to be extraordinary and visit extraordinary places and hike and row and kayak and do those kinds of things on your vacations when you get there. So I, I'm on some of those social media channels for Instagram. I'm Kaboomer Coach. That's with a K and a K. So two Ks. My picture on there is a zip line in wine country of Cape Town, for instance. Twitter, DEFP Trainer, well past 40 is my website. And well past 40 is also how you could reach me on Facebook. I'd love to engage, tell you uh, probably more than you want to hear about a fascinating country or other countries, places I've been and places I want to go. But those are ways to get in touch. Uh, email always works as well. <laughs> Dave at wellpast40.com. That's spelled out well past F-O-R-T-Y, not the number 40. Hopefully I'm responsive if folks were intrigued. For sure. And we'll, we'll include links to all that in the show notes as well. So, so Dave, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all your tips for Cape Town. We look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Bon voyage. Uh, don't miss it. <laughs> what an awesome conversation with Coach David. I can imagine how beautiful the views are from Table Mountain. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Cape Town. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spare change automatically on every purchase that you make. 
Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Colorado Springs, Colorado to speak with my new friend Carrie Smith Nicholson of Hashtag Colorado Lifestyle. Carrie and I talk about the Garden of the Gods, corn mazes at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, and driving up Pikes Peak. We hope to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations. 